0: Friday, Friday edition of the DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Similarly to the Avalanche, we are dealing with some injury issues here on the DNVR Avalanche beat. Uh, so I am pinch hitting for Rudo today, driving the bus uh, on today's show. As always, I've got AJ Hafley here with me and Megan Angley. Uh, guys, I, we did the show uh, a couple days ago for Peter. Uh, McNabb, you know, really nice show for us, but honestly, this is the first show that I've been back on here in about two weeks, uh, you know, with being in Finland and all that stuff. So it's great to be back here chatting with you guys. How, uh, how's everyone doing this afternoon? Not morning. Megan and I've been calling it morning all day here at the rink.
1: I'm day to day with an upper body injury, a broken heart over all of these injuries. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was good. That was good. I like that. Thanks, guy. Uh, AJ, hang I, in there, injury-free?
2: I have nothing clever to add after that. Thanks, Megan.
0: <laughs> Making us look bad all over the place. Uh, the Avs are dealing with a bunch of injuries. Uh, we're going to have to have some call-ups. Uh, there's going to be some some kind of changes with the roster. We're going to get into all of that news, uh, speculate a bit on who we think is left all the guys that we normally you know kind of clamor for them to call up are here with the team and starting to get injuries of their own uh so we're gonna get into all of that but the uh big big news of really the last 24 hours it's, it's all about shane bowers and unfortunately it went from really positive news uh to you know megan like you know make the joke about being heartbroken but really that is just so tough to see you could even tell jared bednar uh was taking it pretty hard last, last night. Uh, the, the news pretty hard last night. Um, uh, Shane Bowers um, less than two minutes of ice time into his first NHL game on his third shift takes an awkward fall in the corner. Uh, and we know he's gone for an MRI today. Uh, we have heard, but have not had it confirmed that we are maybe talking about a dislocated elbow here. Um, but again, we don't know for sure. All we know is it's his arm, uh, you know, somewhere between the shoulder and the wrist based on the way he uh, left the ice last night. I just want to get some thoughts from both of you guys right out, out of the gates. Uh, we've talked a lot about Shane Bowers for the last few years and how this was a kid we saw with a lot of uh, upside, big potential. He's dealt with injuries in the past. Really uh, just seems like a great kid. Has his head screwed on straight. Finally gets his chance. Uh, and it's just a, a, a dumb little play in the corner that looked totally innocent. Uh, just your guys' thoughts on on all of this. Um, either one of you, I don't know if you guys want. to, Who wants to start?
2: Shades of Vlad Kamenev, you know. Yeah. The, it was impossible not to think about Kamenev, and uh, especially with like their connection in coming over in the same trade and the same thing happening, where Kamenev goes out there and a minute into his abs career gets hurt and is done for the year. <laughs> I don't think that that's the timeline we're looking at on powers, but it might be long enough that this opportunity that was open for him to make an impact and to really show, hey, maybe this kid really belongs here. Maybe we can find a spot for him when the guys get healthy. Might be gone now, um, if if because all these other all these other kids are also getting opportunities to do the same thing. But uh, also, I mean, you do have you know, a number of veterans that will be returning to the lineup and you're not you know Gabe Landiscock, Val Nachushkin, and Darren Helm are guys whose lineup spots are probably pretty safe. <laughs> so you're not talking about, yeah, you so, know there's so. no Yeah, there's no there's no displacing one of those guys where they come back and they're just like, well, they don't have a job now. Uh um, so Bowers is really yeah. Bowers is really lost out on a couple of fronts here in that the gains that he had made at the at at the start of the the, the season are kind of all gone, and it just did. I couldn't be more sick for him. Honestly, he's we we talked on yesterday's pregame show that uh, he had already experienced like an abnormal amount of poor luck in his AHL career with not just injuries but um, the COVID testing procedures that caused him so many issues, uh, during the pandemic stuff. And he just can't, he just can't catch a break. Uh, and I, 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 I mean, you love, I loved, I loved that one of you went down. I think Megan, it was probably you that took video of the rookie lap. Um, and, and you could just see it and you could just feel like he was so proud and he was so excited and he looked good. I mean, Without, without an errant stick blocking that centering feed he might he might score on his first shift in the NHL you know he was so close to it and that fourth that fourth line actually was fun for 90 seconds yesterday and then uh, and then he gets hurt and you just I I don't know I've I even I even stayed up last night just thinking about it because how like I just feel so bad for it somebody that has worked for so long and has had these expectations you know shane bowers was a kid that coming out coming out of nova scotia had a lot of expectation on him when he you know he got drafted really highly in the queue uh and chose to go to the ushl and go the college route he's really kind of he's really kind of walked his own path but there's always been a lot of pressure on him and he finally gets there, right? Things finally line up his way, and it goes like this. And I couldn't, I couldn't be more sick for him. Honestly, I just feel awful.
0: AJ, I want to ask you and Megan. I'm sorry. I'm going to get you. A, I'm going to give you a chance here to chime in, in just a second. But you and I talked about it last night, Megan, on on our kind of post game video, uh, post game thoughts video. Uh, AJ, it was look, it was three forty five second shifts. So we're not going to get carried away here. But just I was just kind of curious on your thoughts of how Shane Bowers looked uh, in those three shifts. I mean, Megan and I were running through it, uh, and we said, again, grain of salt, three shifts. Let's not get carried away here. Uh, but to your point, AJ, he almost scores a goal on the back door, and then he almost sets up Sampo Ranta for one of his own uh, a shift later. Just kind of what did you think of him in the very, very limited uh, look that we got last night?
2: It was only good. Um, you know, we barely got to see that line play defensively because they had the puck the whole time, mm-hmm. uh, which is a massive change from almost all other fourth line combinations that they've tried this year. They that line, uh, I mean, Bowers was part of that. I mean, the 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 speed and the effectiveness all stood out. You're watching it and you're like, wow, I can't believe that the third line with JT confer centering it looks so like bland and eventless actionless. there's no upside there and you're talking about this fourth line made up of a like this hodgepodge of dudes you know you have a waiver (laughs) claim and two prospects who were deep on the on the depth chart and they worked well together they all looked good i i liked all three of them while they were together uh and then when they got split up uh, you know dryden hunt immediately went back to earth Sampo had a pretty good game. I actually really like Sampo, but uh, I thought I thought Shane looked really good and I'm uh, i I'm fully I have no doubt in my mind that Shane Bowers belongs in the NHL as a depth guy, maybe the role that as a 4c uh, the, the role he had last night. Um, I've always felt this way. I, I've always felt that it, all he needed was an opportunity to show what he could do and he would take it and run with it. and I think the good start last night was the beginning of that the beginning of him taking it and running with it. And that's, that's part of what also makes this even worse. Not that a player getting hurt when he's not contributing is not also hard to watch, but somebody who's waited for so long, just for opportunity. um, It's, it really sucks. And it is, it, it is made a little bit worse by the fact that he really did look like he was on his way to contributing. Cool. I'm going to end up doing this by myself at some point while you guys are at the rink.
1: Is mine frozen right now, too? No. All right. In that case, I'll just talk. Great. It is really crushing. You know, I can't be in all of the prospects, right? But the reason that Bower. so easy to champion is because he has been met with a lot of adversity in early into the professional years of his career, and he has overcome it at every step. Um, even just looking at last season, he dealt with a very similar problem at the beginning of the season. After he overcame COVID and entering COVID protocols because he was exposed to COVID, possibly he then had an upper body injury again last season. And when he returned back from it, you can see how this type of thing is so disruptive to the momentum of a player in the year that they're having. And so that's the fear I have right now with this injury. But it's not that he can't come back from it mentally, because I think he has a mental toughness that is not only acknowledged by just me, but in talking with Cronin about young players, mental maturity, emotional maturity, who's very coachable. He talked at length about a lot of different guys and guys that he's Come through the program in the past, guys that have arrived, as he called socially, in and found one that he pointed out as being such an easy guy to coach because he works really hard, and that's what makes this kind of thing so deflating. Is it just couldn't happen to a, a person who deserved it the least, and it's just really disappointing. But uh, in a safe breath, he is the someone that I think will be over to overcome this too. You just wished it didn't happen because we haven't had a lot of to really evaluate what Bowers brings to the table at an NHL level. And this gives critics room to continue on that conversation. And I'm just so ready for him to silence them. But I guess we'll just have to wait a little bit longer before we see that happen.
0: So when you, I don't know if there's anybody that's had worse luck except for maybe a guy like Connor Timmins. Um, That's what so, I said
2: on yesterday's show on the pregame. No. I said Joey Hishon and Connor Timmons are the only guys who I could think of that had worse luck as prospects.
0: Yeah, yeah. but Megan, you make a good point there that y- you do hope that him going through all of that, um, you know, can maybe lead to him having that that mental toughness to be able to overcome just one more thing. And, and now here's the other thing to keep in mind. Uh, we still don't know that MRI could come back and, Hey, if, if there's no, you know, structural damage or ligament damage or anything, you could be looking at, you know, you hope a week, uh, maybe a little bit more, let that swelling come down and then he can jump right back into it. Um, but obviously if you do have any of that structural damage, uh, you know, ligament nerve, anything like that, uh, you know, you could be looking at a bit of a, a stretch here. Just a total bummer for Bowers, uh, just seeing yeah. the excitement around it yesterday. Uh, I don't really think there's much uh, – you know, I, I think you guys you guys both nailed it with everything you just said um, about who he is as a person, who he is as a player, how his career has kind of gone so far. Um, it's just a bummer to see that happen to a guy yeah. like him. Uh, but you hope for the best. You hope he's back in the fold here pretty quick. And I guess here's the one <laughs> – if you're really looking for a silver lining for Shane Bowers, the person – He got hurt with the NHL club. So that means he has to stay with the NHL club while he's hurt. And that means he gets those NHL checks. Uh, So, Hey, if there's anything that maybe helps soften the blow uh, for Shane Bowers personally uh, on this injury is, Hey, at least you'll be compensated a little bit more while you're out. (laughs) uh, If that's any silver lining for him.
2: uh, Glad he at least gets that right. Now I am curious. Uh, I don't know what his AHL salary is this year, but I'd be well, I'd be willing to bet it's a pretty significant jump. Yeah. It
1: was a kind of shocking contract when we finally saw it come through in the summer. It was really like he took a bet
0: on himself.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's 100K in the AHL, and he's making 750 in the NHL. So
0: Yeah. So, like I said, not that you ever want guys to be injured or anything, but, hey, if you're a guy like Shane Bowers, Uh, it's better to be injured in the NHL than it is in the AHL. So at least, uh, again, that little bit of, little bit of redemption for him there. Um, but we, that with that injury, that means that you are going to probably have to see a call up. We're going to talk about that. But first I do want to remind you guys about our great partners over at Breckenridge Brewery. They are the official beer of DNVR. We have their beers on tap. We have their regular seltzers now being sold in the bar uh, breck brew as a beer for any occasion there is no better way to watch a game whether it be abs broncos nuggets rockies are off right now we got the world cup coming up uh no better way to watch it than with a breck brew uh they've been doing it for over 30 years and all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer uh they've got all their uh, seltzers. They've got their lemonade seltzers, which are some of my favorite, plus all of their classics. The Avalanche Amber Ale, the Juice Drop IPA, the Summer Pill Shandy, Strawberry Sky, and the Vanilla Porter Jr. I think I've got is it Mountain Beach? Is that what it is? I think I've got a bunch of those in my fridge right now uh, waiting for me when I came back from Finland, so that's been nice. Make sure you use that Breck Beer locator uh, at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. I mean, they're being sold pretty much everywhere right now, so if you are in the United States, Most liquor stores, grocery stores should have you covered. Also brought to you guys by Ivaca TV. You guys should already know by now, Ivaca is the new goat in Colorado sports. That is the greatest of all TV. Uh, They deliver much, much higher quality picture. And most importantly, again, I say this every time I do this read, I could just stop the read right here. They have altitude. So you are no longer missing the abs and the nuggets. They've got Altitude, they've got at t Sportsnet, plus they will be able to get you those Bronco games uh, on a weekly basis, so you won't miss out on any of your Colorado sports content. Uh, they also have a DNVR channel that is just one channel up from Altitude, so you can flip back and forth between uh, the the ABS game, our post-game shows, all from your TV. Uh, and if you didn't know by now, I would be really surprised because we've been Hyping it for so long. But our DNBR Nuggets crew went to Serbia to learn more about the history and the culture of that country that delivered the city of Denver a two-time MVP. Uh they were blown away by the support uh from Premier Night. So if you missed the first showing, uh the next one will be uh oh, it, was, it was this week, uh, on Avaca, but that is showing right now exclusively on Avaca. Um so make sure you get that downloaded so that you can see. Uh, the 60-minute documentary on Nikola Jokic, Serbian basketball, and the history of all of that, plus all the adventures that our DNVR Nuggets guys went through uh, during their time there. You can get it by going to ivaca.tv and signing up for just $25 a month plus a $5 receiver. Uh, If you're wanting to see the trailer for that, uh, uh, it's called 100 Invisible Threads. It's on our YouTube channel right now. Uh, So go watch that, then go set yourself up with Avaca, E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash DNVR to get that $25 rate. This is the DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Jesse, Megan, AJ, hanging out here, uh, talking injuries, talking about roster moves that the Avs are unfortunately going to have to make. Megan asked a great question with the, uh, excuse me, with the Eagles uh, going on the road this weekend. She asked Jared Bednar, does that mean you guys are going to have to call someone up ASAP uh, he said yes do we want to do more injury updates first or do we want to talk about who they may be calling up dealer's choice all right uh let's let's talk about the call because I guess the injury updates don't really have an impact on that the Shane Bowers injury is what is affecting this uh look it doesn't sound like there's going to be any forwards that are making an imminent return uh, so the Avs are gonna be having to make this call up. You've got Kout, you've got Bowers, you've got Ranta, all already called up. You got Dryden Hunt here. Is it Maltsev? I mean, I mean, like we're we're getting down to like the nitty gritty here with this Eagles team. I or, or, or let me let me throw a wrinkle in here. Alex Galchenwik is on an AHL PTO. Do you just say, fug it and you sign him and drop him in with the NHL club? Or is there maybe a waiver claim that you could make? Not, not, not both of you at once, please. So,
1: you know, waiver claim is an enticing direction, but because, but did say they are calling someone up. I'm leaning towards call-up. And it's probably a lot simpler than I realized. I kind of feel like it's going to be a Houdan, which would be exciting to me, over a Megna. Um I just would like to see what Charles Houdan would do here in this situation. But I could see it being one of those two just because of the troubles we're having right now with icing a full lineup because the veteran rule at the AHL level. Um, so similarly with the uh, Alex Galchenyuk component we did ask Bednar if Alex Galchenyuk was playing in the games this weekend for the Eagles and he said he didn't know and maybe maybe he does know maybe he knows he's not playing with the Eagles because he's gonna come here I don't know that was a little conspiratorial but I feel like he would know that kind
0: of thing right (laughs) (laughs) uh AJ your thoughts
2: uh, I don't think they're going to claim Rudolph uh a guy who does not play center, uh, and I think that that's where the consideration lies for me. Um, I'm I'm guessing that it's probably going to be Jason Magna, uh, especially because it's really a quick. It should probably be a quick call up. Um, we're talking like maybe a game or two. Um, but I so I'm I'm assuming that it's going to be. Um, Magna, um, with Maltev as second guy on that list. I, for whatever reason, I think the Avs, uh, really didn't like what they saw out of Mikhail Maltsev um, when he was up, and that's so why let's pause there. down. So let's pause there for a
0: second, because uh, I agree with you. I, I, based on the way that they've talked and, and, you know, through some of their actions, I'm with you, AJ. I don't think they love. Uh, Maltsev, where are you guys at with Maltsev's latest call-up? What did you think? Uh, and Do you think that he deserves to, to get that call back to the to the NHL roster?
1: I personally didn't have an issue with his performance. Um, pretty limited in his usage, but I preferred it at points to what I was seeing out of Dryden Hunt. They're different positionally as well, but I just for it to have that kind of consequence to not get called back up again, especially with the out as it is right now. So I, I don't know. That one's a little tougher unless it's something honestly effort-based, which is his issue at times. If they're seeing something there where he is just not competing with the level of effort with the consistency that they need, that's a little bit different. But I actually thought that he was applying
0: effort. Aj, your your face was different than Megan's when she first started. That agree, disagree?
2: No, I pretty much agree with everything that she said. I really didn't have a strong objection to how he played in his call up. I thought that the minutes were too limited. I don't know what they're genuinely asking of him um, with some of the <clears throat> some of the play that that. He put out there, it was a little confusing, honestly, uh, that he got the restrictions that he did. I I really, uh, there were, there were issues when he was up last year. I under they were easy to see. I didn't see, Mm -hmm. I didn't see any of it the same. I thought he was engaged. I thought he was physical. He used his size well uh, in the very little shifts that he got. I didn't think that it was so bad that they would just be like, well, we're never, we're never doing this again. (laughs) <laughs> and that kind of feels like where we're at. And I hope I'm wrong. Like, I hope, I hope he, you know, I hope he is in consideration for this latest call up. But, um, I just worry that I, I worry that they're just going to be like, look, we've got all these dudes. It, we didn't like what we saw to Maltzev. We need a guy that's going to play center. Jason Magna is going to come up and give us whatever he's going to give us. We know what we're going to get. And that's, that's that. And they just stop. And, that's. I think that's probably where they. You know. I, I worry that that's where that mindset is right now.
0: So it was. It's funny you say that, AJ, because Bednar talked about that yesterday. It was really the first time that we've ever heard him. Uh, like we know all this, but it was the first time I've ever heard him actually acknowledge it out loud. Where he said, "Look, when we're looking at our AHL group, we have our guys who are depth guys. We know they're NHL depth guys. We know what we're going to get out of them." Uh, and then we have our guys who we hope we can develop into full-time NHLers. Uh, and again, this is something that we know we're aware of, but we've never actually heard, at least I haven't, heard Jared Bednard acknowledge like, hey, look, we have different guys that we identify for different things. AJ, I think you were the one that mentioned a minute ago, you hope, you think theoretically this should be a relatively quick call-up. Um you know, doesn't stick around for a ton of time. So maybe that's where it makes sense that it's Jason Megna because they're saying, hey, look, we know what we're getting out of this guy. We only need it for a couple games, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But um, I just wanted to touch on that real fast because I just don't feel like you hear coaches acknowledge that out loud a lot that, hey, yeah, sometimes we call guys up because we say we just want a fourth-line guy to plug in here, not necessarily, um, you know, on the development path. Um, and I think that's kind of where you're at right here. Um, is, is if this is going to be more than a game or two, uh, I, for me, I would maybe want to go with Maltsev, but if you're just talking two games and then you're going to get some bodies back, uh, to me, I don't really see any issue with it being, uh, Jason Megna.
2: So I might, I might have this backwards, um, originally, uh, in thinking that it would be a quick call up because if they call up the the 4c spot is kind of what we're talking about here and they can if they were to call up magna or multi either one um the 4c spot like it really kind of depends on how long it takes bowers to get back right because that becomes the timeline that we're talking about then with that particular position because <clears throat> if sam gerard is back at any point you pull one of McDermott or McDonald off of your mm-hmm. defense and you can put him on wing, which probably sends Sampo back to the AHL. And that's like that sucks for Sampo, especially because I thought I really liked his game yesterday. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> assuming he doesn't continue to show that well mm-hmm. uh, in in the coming games, uh, I it could be it could be a longer term call up where uh, you know, a guy like Magna, you know that he can give you ten games while you wait for a combination of Bowers and Helm and Natchushkin and Landeskog, right? Like, cause now, now you're talking about, all right, you're four, you're four guys deep into this, and mm-hmm. uh, if if the center spot is the revolving door, Magna kind of puts a stop to that, and then you do have the bodies between McDonald and McDermott you've got guys that you're comfortable playing as fourth line wings. So mm-hmm. it could end up being like, it. it, it we I, I might've misread this where uh, the, the call up is really as long as Bowers is out. And then when he comes back, then you'll see, do you drop Bowers back in right away? Knowing that now, now he's a guy that's been totally out of rhythm. Um, and then you're, then you've got all the rookie stuff knowing that he's played three shifts in the NHL or then do (laughs) you do send him back to the AHL to come, you know, get back up to speed, play a couple of games. And the entire time you just roll with whichever Megner Maltz of.
0: So you mentioned Sam Gerrard there, Megan, it was your question. So I'll toss this one to you. Uh, You asked about the status of Sam Gerrard just about 30 minutes ago. Uh, 40 minutes ago, man. Time flies when you're having fun with your friends. Uh, about 40, 45 minutes ago, you asked Jared Bednar about Sam Gerard.
1: Does that mean Jared Bednar is my friend?
0: <laughs> I was referring to us, but yeah, sure. JB can be uh, can be your boy. Cool.
1: Was <laughs> being one of the more positive uh, questions and answers from the availability, it sounded like he's heading in the right direction. They're evaluating him more today to see if Get him on the ice tomorrow, Gerard. That is, and it was confirmed that that day-to-day status is still very much day-to-day, and not some kind of week-to-week situation like we saw where on the suddenly had injury. So it really feels like it's not going in that direction with Gerard, um, and he's hopefully going to be back on the ice skating on his own tomorrow. So that is an encouraging piece of news on Sam Gerard.
0: Yeah. So just good point, AJ. Good call out by you that hey, this Sam Gerard. If you get a defenseman back, you can slide one of those guys up front, uh, either McDonald or McDermott. And so I just wanted to make sure we touched on that because, yeah, we didn't get a little bit of an update uh, on Sam Gerard. So let's let's get into the rest of the injury stuff here uh, real quick. So Sam Gerrard uh, still looking at day to day. We did find out today uh, Darren Helm did go for another surgery last week. I want to pause here for a second. Uh, this was one that uh, Jared Bednar had told us several weeks ago now uh, that they had originally put this on an eight to 12 week timeline when he went in for the initial surgery uh, when Darren Helm went in for the initial surgery in the summer. Um, And when he gave us this update, he said, and look, now I think we're on week 13. This has just taken longer than we thought. Now come to find out there was something in there that needed to be cleaned up with another surgery. Uh, So that is the reason for the bit of an extended timeline. Really, we haven't gotten a ton of information on it. It sounds like that first surgery didn't quite solve the issue, and now we are back on another really kind of undisclosed timeline with with Darren Helm. Um, go right. ahead, Megan. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you think it's a positive piece of information that the LTIR move, Benar said, is retroactive to, to the, the first surgery, that? maybe whatever the second surgery is, because he talked about him being on the mend and trying to work his way back to the lineup. Does that seem encouraging that maybe it's not, like, I don't even know what time to be able to put that on, but I don't know the fact that it's a retroactive LTIR is
0: optimism. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I definitely don't think it's a bad thing because you just, you know, you really kind of moved that, the the timeline for him being eligible to come back to really any time. So I guess it's nice that you get a little bit of the flexibility with it. Um, I don't know. This is this has been a really weird one for me, though. Uh, We saw him skating on his own during camp. He actually had a day, maybe even two, where he skated in a red non-contact with the team. Uh, Then he went away for a while and then he came back. He was on the ice by himself shooting and things like that. Um, This has just been a really, really Weird, interesting one to kind of watch develop, and I don't know. Does it give either of you guys larger concern about maybe what is going on here? No, no. Just
2: I mean, thinking. he had he had he had surgery, and the recovery didn't go very well. It's very similar to Landis Cog. Um, the recovery just didn't go the way that they wanted it to, and so. All right, let's do another surgery early in the year. We can give 10 weeks. We can give 12 weeks. We don't want we don't want a guy to come back while he's uncomfortable, play through it, have it get worse. And then he has surgery anyway. And and you're talking 12 weeks. All right. Well, now it's March. You know, now we've got now we've got all kinds of cap and deadline questions. And what what do we do here? Like you're the the abs, the abs, I think, know the score. Uh, they can look at their division and say, hey, we feel like we could take this division whenever we're, we're fully healthy. We don't feel like we don't feel like it's going to get run away from. We don't feel like a, a playoff spot is going to slip away while we try and get get all of our guys healthy. Um, but we knew we also knew that there was going to be some carryover from the playoff run. You got the shortest off season ever. Um, The way that it cut into a normal summer timeline, a team that went as as long as they did. We knew all these things were going to happen. It just sucks that it's now twice that they've had, uh, and, and maybe even you could count Nechushkin and say three times that they've had a guy get hurt and recover in a way that just was not, he didn't fully get to where he wanted to be, and they just decided, look, just have surgery. Just have surgery on it. Just fix it. And we'll move on. Um, I, I wonder if in previous years, where the team wasn't as confident that they were going to make the postseason, that they were they were built for a, a run, they wouldn't have had the confidence to do that with the with guys, especially in the high profile guys. Um, but I, I think this is pretty consistent with them, where they're just saying, "Just fix these problems right now." And you know, there's nothing that says that when they come back, it will still work. You know, they, right. all of these guys could have surgery, come back. It didn't totally fix it. And then we're, we're, in the exact same situation. There's, but I think, uh, waiting around and hoping it just gets better versus trying to take a proactive approach and saying, okay, we're just this timeline that this is the end of the timeline. Just go get surgery. Um, try and get this clean as cleaned up as possible. Uh, is is the approach that they've really taken with all three of these these injuries that have now happened? And um, I don't, I you know, good, bad, whatever. I just think that it's they're just trying to get their guys, they're they're just trying to get the ducks in a row for the second half of the season where they make mm-hmm. the real run. Where not that these games aren't meaningful, but you know how it has. Like the first half of the season is kind of the window dressing to the real, you know, to the real mean potatoes it- of the season.
0: And it's funny because I think that's something that this team really learned uh, in the Vegas uh, – I'll refer to it as the Vegas season where they get knocked out in the second round by by the Golden Knights where, you know, I, I really do think they did take some lessons out of what you just said, AJ. You don't need to burn yourself out. You don't need guys to, you know, kill themselves battling, battling through injuries. Uh, it, this beginning part of the season and it seems like that's a trend that we see with a lot of Stanley Cup champions that eventually they have to learn is you have to be peaking at the right time you have to have your guys as healthy as they can be come the postseason um hitting their stride really you know clicking come uh May June uh, you know April to a, to a different extent uh and so I, I agree with you AJ if if it means that all this stuff is cleaned up and they are all good to go by by april then that's really what you care about uh, you know you prefer march get them a little bit of runway
2: uh, i mean really the target date right now is february
0: mm-hmm. you get
2: them you get them before the deadline you get them on the ice you get them rolling you have an idea of what you have then you have an idea of of what your roster looks like who gels what you really need pre-deadline like you really want to know before the deadline these guys are healthy and this is what your roster looks like this is what we've learned this year this is what we may or may not need yeah. Uh, at that last opportunity to, to improve the roster.
0: Megan, anything to add there? No. It feels like a
1: good assessment of how this injury, how we should react to it, and just kind of generally where the team is at with injuries. Is it not surprising the rough, rigorous playoff run that they have?
0: Yeah. Like Adrian said, the Avs are definitely focusing on the meat and potatoes of the season, which is the playoffs you can focus on the meat and potatoes of dinner with hassle cattle company uh one of my favorite sponsors of dnvr uh i got a a freezer full of hassle cattle meat in my basement uh and i always love getting the chance to uh to thaw some of it out throw it on the blackstone uh hassle cattle beef is raised in texas on a family farm it's the best damn wagyu beef you'll ever eat and it's shipped to your door uh i did the uh i did some uh steaks and burgers for my parents last year for Christmas they loved it uh they still got some that they make throughout the year it is the choice of home cooks uh and restaurant chefs alike it's versatile full of flavor and there are different cuts to fit any budget and your favorite recipe that is why they call it blue collar american wagyu hassoketsu wagyu can be shipped anywhere in just days uh, if you want to get a great, if you want to get a taste before purchasing, head to our Broncos tailgates, yet another reason to party with the NBR and enjoy a delicious smoked stuff sausage right off the grill, head to hasslecattlecompany.com to secure your bag of beef and use code DNBR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. When this promo code went away last year, I was so bummed because I had already done a couple orders uh, with that 20% off. So I'm so glad that it's back. Uh, Head over there and get it before uh, it goes away again. Also brought to you guys by Athletic Greens. Megan, this has become uh, a favorite of both uh, you and I uh, and my fiance, Hannah. uh, Loves drinking this stuff. Uh, Just one scoop in your glass of water uh, every single day. And it really does. It gives you more energy. It makes you feel better. Uh, It's got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Uh, That's what we do. One scoop in the morning. I've said it before. I'm not really a coffee guy, uh, but I take a a shot of Athletic Greens uh, in the morning, and it really does help get me going, gets me some more energy, Uh, gives me all those effects that all you coffee drinkers get from your morning brew. Right now, it is time to reclaim your health uh, and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. We are heading into flu and cold season. Uh, It's just one scoop in a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. I'm going to sneeze.
2: Oh, this is the worst.
0: I fought it off see thanks to my athletic greens You can even fight off sneezes uh,
2: That's what Rudo needed today And then he got He got three vaccination shots Yesterday and if he'd just taken his athletic Greens he would have been able to fight it all off
0: He's blowing it yeah he's blowing it By not taking his AG1 uh, Yeah just give me just give me vaccine shots All day I can do whatever I just yeah For every for every vaccine shot I just do a, a, a nice sip of AG1 Uh they're going to give you a one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. You take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is the DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Head on over to DraftKings Sportsbook uh, right now and use code d n v r jesse aj megan winding down today's show i did just want to take a step back uh and look at the division as a whole because aj you just mentioned it um with where the ads are sitting right that's kind of the feel that you're getting right now and look i i think i speak pretty much for everyone this division is shaken out so much differently than i think everyone thought for the first month um now the most games played in the division is 14 so there's a long 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 way to go but uh as of right now the current central division standings are as follows winnipeg dallas colorado arizona minnesota chicago Nashville, and then bringing up the rear is the St. Louis Blues. What has been the biggest surprise to you guys so far? Is it the fact that the Arizona Coyotes sit at 500 or that the St. Louis Blues have yet to hit double-digit points? Or do you maybe have another one? I
1: think the Coyotes is the surprise the Blues.
0: Yeah, they, it seems like they, uh, they've been on a nice little stretch for the last week or so as well.
1: Blues' problems feel entirely of their own creation in based on Bennington being the answer, and they really relied on the, the 20 goal scorers. How many did they have? Nine. Nine, Nine 20 goal scorers, right? They're just some off-season shake-ups, and they just haven't retained the same group that they had last year. And they're a team that sticks to their identity year after year, but this just feels like this formula isn't really working for them, especially because goaltending was a huge part of it. And Bennington is not that same goaltender as he was from that like, 2018 2019 season.
2: Yeah, no kidding. Um, AJ? Uh, I'm not too worried about St. Louis at the moment. Uh, a lot of this is percentage-driven as well. Um, on-ice shooting percentage is really low for several of their best players where their underlyings uh, all suggest that their results will get better. Um, Not so much better that I think they're going to like make like this, you know, it's not going to be like a rocket to the moon, but I think I I, I don't think they'll continue to be in last place and to lose eight games in a row. We're seeing around the league, like extreme streaks. Like these teams, these teams are getting really, 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 really hot. You know, you've got Vegas and Boston, especially. And then the, then you get teams that are just absolutely like ice cold, you know, that St. Louis had lost eight in a row, uh, before their win last night, you know, Buffalo was like that early darling is now on a four game losing streak, um, you know, you've got you've got a lot of extremes. Jerseys, another one where they've they've won eight games in a row. So um, with St. Louis, with St. Louis, they have real problems. Uh, Jordan Binnington is it's, he looks Jordan, like a like, problem. Jordan Binnington has had some great starts and some absolute bombs this year, and all of it. Uh, their defense remains not very good. Their five v five play is worse than it was last year. Uh, their special teams are not bailing them out like they did last season. And uh, as Megan mentioned, the 920 goal score thing is not a thing this year, which just about everybody could have told you was going to happen. <laughs> not only did they lose David Perron, but a guy like Ivan Barbashev dropped 60 points last year. It's hard to believe that everybody is going to have a career year all at the same time. Yeah. That said... Ryan O'Reilly has two goals. Brandon Scott, Brandon Saad scored his first goal of the season last night. So there are some, there are some extremes going the other way for them, uh, that I think will course correct a little bit in time. It shouldn't be such a correction that it's like, they're so good, but, uh, I, d- I think definitely Arizona, um, Arizona and Chicago, I think have been the big surprises in the central so far, uh, just that they've been competent. But mm-hmm. when you do look at it, uh, I told Peter Baugh this last night when he and I were chatting uh, after our you know after I tomahawked him on Twitter like a <laughs> dick. Uh, five, five teams in the Western Conference right now, five teams have a positive goal differential. Every other team is in the red. Now there yeah, are teams well, that's a great you call know, out. L- LA is negative two. Uh, Minnesota's negative three, Edmonton's negative one. So it's not like they're all bad or whatever, but uh, you you do see, you know, Arizona's at negative nine, Chicago's at negative six. Uh, this, like, this, like, them maxing out at 500 is them maxing out. That's as good as it gets for those guys. Uh, the bottom is going to fall out for both of those franchises soon enough. The same that it will for Philadelphia out east. Uh, those are still bad hockey teams. They're they're not playing particularly good hockey. Uh, they're just kind of getting away with it, as we see happens every year. Bad teams have good stretches because they are they are still comprised of NHL players who can win some games and and have a good little you know get some mojo going. Uh, but those teams those teams aren't for real. Uh, what I think is interesting, Minnesota just continues to drift. They've God. not really put together really good stretch, really bad stretch. It just, you know, they they had, like, such a horrendous start where they're giving up six goals a game. They've recovered from that. But they're just okay. And Nashville. We talked about it on the pregame uh, show last night before the game. Wow! They all stopped having career years at the same time. <laughs> wow! The, yeah. thing, the thing is that while they're not having the career years on offense, UC Soros, by far the worst season of his career up to this point. Truly horrific start to the season for him. They can't have that. And on the opposite side, why is Winnipeg at the top of the division? They are almost identical to last year's team, except Connor Hellebuck went from pretty good to back to being elite. He is the difference. He is all that they've got. He is their only hope to be competitive on a consistent basis. They are not good enough. They, they do not play quality hockey shift by shift. They are a goddamn roller coaster of a hockey team. Just like this, all game long. Just like, it's the worst. They don't even have, like, cool loops and shit. It's just up and <laughs> down. It just, it just makes you sick to
0: watch. I was going say, just get you sick. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. You could,
0: like... Uh- so sorry. No no, 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 no. <laughs> You're good. You're good. I, I just, I wanted to point out something because I just thought it's, a, it's an interesting theme, right? Every one of these teams that you guys both, you know, mentioned something about, it came back to the goaltending and, you it know, maybe. Does. Right. Right. Um, and to me, you uh, you know, I think that's when you're looking at a team like St. Louis. And then I know it's outside of the division, and I, I know I beat up on them a lot. But, like, you look at a team like Edmonton. And to me, those, those are two teams who, when you talk – AJ, I think you're 100% right. It always ends up coming back to the goaltending. Those are two teams that you've got to be looking at your, your net right now. And you're a little worried. Because, I mean – Look, I know abs fans love to dunk on Jordan Bennington at every, you know, every chance they get. Um, and there's been a lot of that on Twitter, but I, I mean, he, he has been legitimately bad to start this season. And I, I was also having a conversation with Peter Bob a few days ago. He's obviously he's from St. Louis. And uh, so he always keeps tabs on him. And he was even making the point, look, they had Ville Husso to fall back on last year. And there was a couple stretches where St. Louis weren't playing well and they got bailed out a little bit by Ville Husso. Um you don't have that this year, and really you're getting the exact opposite right now. And then, you know, AJ, you mentioned the goal differential. I look at a team like Edmonton, who is sitting at a minus one. And that's again just what we've always talked about with a team like that. Can they outscore their problems? And right now, uh, they're, they're they're trying mightily but it's just it's hard when you're giving up five six seven goals every single night and that's what I think a couple teams are battling with right now. you mentioned UC Soros off to a bad start um, you can have a solid roster but if you can't keep the puck out of your own net uh, it's gonna create some problems for you and I think all these teams that we're seeing struggling out of the gate that is kind of the the, the theme with them to start um, yeah can't, and- can't keep that's right. No, no, good.
1: In Nashville, they have Lincoln and in that, but Minnesota's in a very difficult position because of goaltending, and yeah. it went through both the starting and go- backup goaltender struggling severely, and Minnesota's also battling some injuries in their forward group, too, but it's just each team is struggling with goaltending in a different way. I think that's why Nashville will have a fine enough season, and it will stabilize for them in some ways, but Minnesota's kind of in some hot water,
0: yeah, Minnesota is an interesting one because, you know, everyone, everyone saw the Marc-Andre Fleury thing and everyone knew what that could potentially look like. And I think AJ using the phrase drifting earlier is a really good representation of that. And you just don't know, does Marc-Andre Fleury have enough left in the tank to, to get this back on course for them? And, and with a team that is kind of got this roster that's up in the air as it is with all the salary cap stuff, you know, Kirill Kaprizov is is an elite all-world player, but, man, he needs some help. And the guy that they were trying at 2C just a couple weeks ago has been healthy scratch now, I think, twice. It's Tyson Jost. Um, they've definitely got some identity issues that they are trying to figure out who exactly they are, uh, what's actually available to them. And it's just – it's the Central Division, it's been a really interesting month and some change start.
2: Just play Marco Rossi. <laughs> Stop playing the, the you know, quit quit messing around. Play Marco Rossi. Put him on a line with Matt Boldy. They dominated the ATL together. Let him do this thing.
0: I just Marco I was Rossi about
2: can to, help you.
0: I was about to sign off the show, but this one came in. It says uh, this comic it says Vegas is surprisingly kicking butt. Great goaltending that five game. Uh, I just see, I just want to touch on Vegas really fast. Because we talked about them at this in our previous series before the season got going, Um, I talked about it on on a podcast that I did uh, last week when I was in Finland. Look, I I mean, should anybody really be like hard surprised that Vegas has gotten off to a good start? Like, you know, they they were the really easy team to to dunk on last year because the wheels completely came off. but you know they had to make some some trades in the summer, but like there is still really high end talent there. Do I think a thirteen and two pace is sustainable with their goaltending situation? Absolutely not. Uh, but you know I-, I think they definitely have a little bit of the chip on their shoulder. Jack Eichel looks like he's starting to rev back up a bit. You've got healthy Mark Stone again. Um, again, thirteen and two. You're not expecting that to keep up. But are either of you really overly surprised at the start that Vegas has gotten off to? It, yeah, really
1: interesting. It, All right. There's a huge uncertainty in net for me that, like, that would that shifts whether this would be surprising or not, and that is such a big uncertainty to have. It does make it only a little surprising for that reason, just because of how big of a question mark that was in net. But everything else pointed to a hockey team that that would be competitive throughout the course of this season it's just you know we when we talk about Vegas we talk about is this a Stanley Cup caliber team and that's sort of a different conversation because it has a lot to do with some cultural things but as far as being a competitive team there are a lot of pieces there for that to be possible
2: uh yeah I'm surprised that it's been this good um, you know, we talked about the goaltending situation. Right now, they have the fifth highest save percentage of 5v5. They've got mm-hmm. the ninth highest shooting percentage of 5v5. When you have those combinations of things, you're either really good or or good and, and really lucky at the same time. Uh, and I think that, you know, the fact that... Uh, the fact that they're off to this great start, like, great, like, good for them, right? You know? Uh, but I do... I do think that, like, third look, you're just not going to continue. This is the same thing in Boston. It's not going to continue. You're not going to play 9,500 hockey. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not going to roll in there and and continue that. There's a there's a fall coming, and how do they handle it when things go sideways? Because that's where that franchise has gotten off the rails. The good yeah. times have been easy. Good times are always easy. <sighs> But that franchise is defined by not being able to handle the bad times. When things go sideways for that franchise, it has never been able to get it back on track the way that they wanted to. How do they handle their first losing streak is something that I really want to see. Because how does, how does Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson handle it when they get punched in the mouth? You know They're okay. off to a great start collectively. And uh, you know I know certainly Megan and I have been Logan Thompson fans for the last year or two. So we're not. I, I would say I'll, I'll, I'm just openly speaking for you at this point, but <laughs> I don't think I don't think we're super super surprised that Logan Thompson's off to a good start. But right. I think there is there's still a very legitimate question of can he do this over five months? Can can they continue to be this good over that stretch of time? Um, they have a good coach. They have a good roster. But I'm I'm just really not sold that the combination of their second line and their first line, like they put the misfits back together and all of a sudden they've all found life. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they William Carlson is back to being nearly a point per game. They have two full lines of guys who are hovering around a point per game level of production. Uh, and they're getting, they're getting better than what anybody could have reasonably expected goaltending out of Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Yeah. Like, on paper, you're talking about maybe a bottom seven tandem running into the season, and again, fifth best save percentage of five v five. A lot of things have gone their way. They've also produced a lot of quality hockey. So I don't want to sound like I'm just like, Mer. like this is <laughs> this is not this is not like the Blues, where the Blues have played a lot of bad hockey and lost games. Vegas yeah. has played a lot of good hockey and won games, but. I want to see what happens when it goes sideways. Because it will. This is the NHL. Nobody just dominates like that. So what happens when they face some adversity? Um, they've really not had serious injury issues this year. After last year, they're probably due with <laughs> some pretty good luck in that department. But what happens if they do have a, have an injury? You know, if they... You know, we're seeing the avalanche right now. We're not really talking about it a lot because we're in it every day. But the fact that the Avs right now are running with one line and 6,000 question marks in the rest of yeah. their lineup and they're on a three-game winning streak, it's pretty goddamn impressive. And if yeah. they can continue to climb the standings this way, if they can continue to win games despite their lineup being being as, as beaten up as as it is right now, you know, it's an impressive thing. I want to see what happens around them. It's the same thing that I'm talking about with Vegas. It's true for Dallas. I want to see what happens when something goes bad for them. Now, the Ottinger injury isn't long-term. He's already on his way back, so I think they're going to be able to to, to get through the Scott Wedgwood is our starter thing. But I want to see what happens when, you know, because t- you talk about the Avs are a one-line team right now. Dallas is a one-line team, too. Um, but they have gotten insane power play production out of a guy like Jamie Ben that has really helped buoy them. You know, the abs are getting something similar out of Arturi Lekkanen and Evan Rodriguez right now where they're getting a lot of like power plays are doing a lot of heavy lifting for some of these teams at the top of the standings. When, when we know how special teams go very, very inconsistent throughout a year when those hit lulls, can they keep winning games? Because the Abs went through a really hard dry spell of five v five already, and we saw that—that's what's killed St. Louis, and that's what's gotten that's that's where Winnipeg has gotten away with it because Hellebuck has papered over everything. They've given up twenty eight goals this year; mm-hmm. it's the fewest in the NHL because Connor Hellebuck has gone god mode. Mm-hmm. So you know that this is the first month of the season; these things happen. Uh, and they always get magnified when they start at the when it happens at the start of the season and not. Hey, did you know from December seventh to January tenth, this guy played <laughs> absolutely out of his mind. Like, no, who cares? Shut up! Right, right. But at the, the, the at the start of the season, this is the stuff that we always we put huge magnifying glasses on everything and are like what's real here right
0: right trying to figure out trying to try to sift through it all, see what's gonna stick uh i think that's pretty much gonna do it for us today uh final thoughts from either you guys or i think we kind of touched on a lot of the news of the day yeah yeah Yeah. uh awesome uh we'll be back at it tomorrow with a pre-game show going live 30 minutes before abs hurricanes uh at seven o'clock i believe um and then we will have our post game show coming up right after that day off on Sunday. But then you guys know we are right back at it on Monday. Uh, So thank you guys as always for watching, for listening, wherever you are consuming this for AJ and Megan, uh, our boy, Yah here running the board for us. I'm Jesse Montano. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.